main part of our class will be in 1 Kings chapter 2 this morning. And we'll start with all from 1 Kings chapter 1, which Brent went over this past Wednesday. Why was Abishag the Shunammite sought out for King David? This is not a trick question. Keep him warm. That's what it said. To keep him warm and to, to serve him, to attend to his needs, that kind of thing. So it did, it did make specific mention that there was no, no sexual relationship between David and Abishag. She's kind of a bigger, bigger deal that comes to pass in this morning's lesson than she started out to be. Uh, and I'm sure with that, there's something kind of we're supposed to get from that that I just missed. If you were studying that and you saw some some significance there that maybe I don't bring out in class, I'd I'd love to hear it. Um, I'm sure with the scriptures, there's so there's so much depth there that I missed probably ninety percent of it, <laughs> and uh, you know that's why we can study it our whole life, and it's a just a rich thing. Second question: Which of David's sons sought to be king at the end of his life? We know that Solomon is one that God said he's going to be the king, but who was it that sought it out? Adonijah, the son of Haggath, is the one. Um, you can find those lists of the sons of David, 2 Samuel 3, and then there's another one. can't remember exactly where that is. Chronicles 3, I think, First Chronicles 3. I'm not totally sure about that, but at any rate. Who else got, that says specifically about Adonijah, he got chariots, horses, and 50 men to run before him. Who else did the scripture say that about? Absalom. It says the same thing. So it's kind of a repeating thing, and you can tell, hey, this is going in a bad direction. So Absalom did the very same thing, it appears. Uh, Next question. Who was helping Adonijah to take the throne? There was a couple of guys there. Joab, who's the general of the army of, of Israel, and there was one other one, right, Abiathar the priest. So, and um, today's lesson is kind of dealing with uh, David charging Solomon and Solomon bringing to fruition the idea of dealing with these people that have been causing problems in his kingdom, so Solomon's not going to have to deal with that. There's going to be a peaceful reign by him. What two people inquired about Adonijah's actions with David? You no, know, David's on his deathbed. Uh, Abishag is there attending to his knees, keeping him warm and that kind of thing. And two people bring this news before him that Adonijah has proclaimed himself king. Yes, Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet. Nathan comes to Bathsheba, Bathsheba brings it before the king, and then the king asks for Nathan to come before him. Nathan says, I'll come before him and just kind of back up what you say, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be established. Who else got, I don't know why I put that one there twice, sorry, my bad. Um, where was Adonijah proclaimed king at? It's a place I hadn't really heard of until reading it, so y'all might want to look at the scriptures there uh, in 1 Kings 1. It's a stone. All right. The stone of Zoheleth on Rogel. Now remember on Rogel, this is when David was fleeing from Absalom and the two sons of Abiathar and Zadok, um, Ahimeaz and Jonathan, were running 
and somebody saw them at this place. It's just outside of Jerusalem, a little bit southeast of Jerusalem, and there's, there's a, a brook there and some, some water. Um, but he's there, he's making sacrifices. People are proclaiming that Adonijah is going to be the, the next king. And then, where was Solomon anointed king? David said, take Solomon and anoint him here. At the, at the Gihon or Gihon spring. Now this, uh, this spring is kind of an, an interesting place to, to get us where it is. It's just right outside of Jerusalem, right outside the city walls. It is the springs that Hezekiah diverted from outside the city walls to run under the city, uh, Hezekiah's tunnel, and make the pool, I think the pool of Siloam. I'd have to study that a little more to remember that exactly. But uh, you can still walk through Hezekiah's tunnel today, and that's the Gihon Spring. At the time, it wasn't diverted, but um, pretty big deal there. What did Adonijah do at the news that Solomon had been anointed king? Yeah, he he sought asylum there at the altar um, in in Jerusalem that had been set up for for sacrifices. Um, so. That moves us into 1 Kings chapter 2 today. And as I said, these are kind of David's charges to Solomon to, to handle things so that you'll have a reign of peace. It's interesting, the first thing that he says to Solomon, anybody know what it was? One of the first things. Verse 2. He says, I go the way of all the earth. That means he's about to die. Be strong and prove yourself to be a man. <laughs> Literally, be courageous, become a man. We don't know how old he was, but he's on that cusp of becoming a man. And by becoming a man, what does he mean? He means doing what the Lord has prescribed that you need to be doing. Do the job that God has assigned you to do. So let's read a few verses that tell us about that. Verse 3, so at verse 2 he ends it, become a man. Verse 3, keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn and that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke to me <clears throat> uh, saying, if your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, and then he's going to talk, talk about some other things to do here. So do the job God assigns you to do. What's the job that God has assigned him to do? Yeah, he's going to build the house of the Lord, build the temple. And that's kind of what David wanted to do it. David was told, you're a man of bloodshed, you can't do it, so it's going to be your son Solomon that's going to do that. So that is God charging him to do the job that you're supposed to do. Another job that you're supposed to do, what every king's supposed to do, keep the law. Pay attention to God's word. Make sure that you're doing it. There's a lot here for us, isn't there? <laughs> There's a lot here for us. We're not necessarily charged with, with uh, building the temple of God like that, but are we charged with building the temple of God? Yeah, we're living stones, aren't we? Built unto the house of the Lord. Jesus said the fields are white for harvest, didn't he, there in John 4? We are supposed to go out, as Jesus said, his last words, and make disciples of all the nations, adding them to the house of God. So we're in need to do that really in a sense as well. We're also to keep the law of God. We're supposed to pay attention, as it says here in uh, verse 
verse 3, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies as it is written, not in the law of Moses, but in the new law. So not totally removed from us, right? He also tells him to do certain things. I threw this one in a little bit uh, early. Uh, He talks about Shimei and Joab and all these different ones that he wants him to deal with. But in verse 7, he says, Show kindness to the sons of Barzillai the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. So Barzillai, remember he's this, I think the text said he was in in his 80s. He's an older guy, and uh, David wanted to show kindness to him and bring him into the into the, the, the household of God, basically. He'll provide for his needs. He can eat at David's table, and he says, it's not for me. I want to stay where I've, where I've been my whole life, but take my servant. Uh, what was the servant's name? Anybody remember? His name was Chimham. And the reason is because they helped David during the rebellion when he, when he was fleeing from Saul, not Saul, Fleeing from Absalom, David flees a lot from people, but Absalom is the last one. Uh, and Chimham was to eat at the king's table. That's the servant of Barzillai. So he got what he requested there. Um, David gives some other admonitions to Solomon as well. So he's talking about the last words of David, his charges to Solomon. He tells him, make sure to bring judgment on Joab. Don't let his gray head go down to the grave in peace. Make sure that he pays for the things that he had done. So I thought about putting up an infographic, I guess, about the things that Joab had done in his life. David mentions too. What are the things David mentions that that he had done wrong? Yeah, Abner. Remember Abner was the, the head of Saul's army. And he defected to David during Ishbosheth's short reign. Um, well, that was a threat to Joab. So what did he do to Abner? He killed him. He also killed him because Abner had killed uh, Asahel, who's Joab's brother. Uh, but he also killed Amasa. That was the general under who? Who, 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 do we, who are we introduced to Amasa under? Absalom. Yeah, it was Absalom had promoted him to be his general of his army. And then after Absalom's rebellion's put down, David places him as his general over Joab. Well, that doesn't last too long. While they're trying to go after Sheba uh, in that rebellion, Joab kills him on the road, right? Pretends he drops his sword. This is his cousin. And he puts his hand, his, his hand up and grabs his beard and just stabs him in the gut. And the guy is writhing in blood all over the road to the point that he had to be taken off the road and covered up so that the men wouldn't just stop and stare at him. Um, so he's rather brutal. Uh, and anybody that's trying to take his place, we could probably spend a little while talking about Joab's other things. Uh, one that immediately comes to mind where Joab didn't do really what he was supposed to do. Might have been a good idea from an earthly standpoint to kill Absalom because of the rebellion. But David had said what about Absalom? Deal kindly with him. Deal gently with him. And Joab wasn't having it. I would have given you so much money if you would have just speared him in the heart when you saw him. And he goes, he he throws three spears in his heart and his armor bearers surround him and kill him. And I think David never never forgets any of these things. And uh, 
So Joab was just kind of this brutal person. He would make a great character study if he had to cover this, uh, these two and a half or so books. But he tells him, don't let him live a peaceful life. <laughs> don't, let his, don't let his gray hair go down to the grave. Let's read what he says to him. Verse 5. Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zeruah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. And he shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Basically saying he has covered himself in blood guilt. So deal with him. Verse 6, therefore do according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. But should... Then he goes on to talk about some other people. So he's telling him, deal with Joab. Now, Joab has had some, some bad deals. We already talked about the Adonijah staged his own short kind of uh, rebellion, didn't he? He was ready to take the kingdom. Who was backing him? It's already been one of our questions, wasn't it? Last class. Joab was one of them, and Abiathar the priest. They were there. So he's, uh, he's going to be a problem. So take care of him. Then he tells him, we, we already talked about Barzillai, um, there in verse 7 and verse 8, uh, or verse 7. And in verse 8, he talks about Shimei. Now, I talked about Shimei in another class as well when we met him on the way out of Jerusalem. What was Shimei doing on, when David was fleeing Jerusalem during the Absalom Rebellion? Yeah, it wasn't a very, um, not a polite thing to do. He was, he was of Saul's house, and he really appears to think, well, this is God taking vengeance on David for what he's done to, to Saul's house and taking the throne from them. And he's just on one side of the valley, David and his men are on the other side of the valley. He's cursing at them and throwing stones at him and talking all this trash about him. And David, forgive, he doesn't kill him, but even on the way back, after David's side is victorious and Absalom's gone, Shimei is pretty smart. He meets him there at the river, basically prostrates himself before David and says, forgive me, don't take it to heart, forgive me what I've done. Um, and uh, David does. But we remember, <laughs> looking forward, what happened. Um, he says, don't, don't let his gray hair go down to the grave and shield uh, to shield either. Deal with him. Look at verse 8. And see, you have with you Shimei, the son of Gera, Benjamite, from Bahurim, who cursed me with a malicious curse on the day when I went for, to Mahanaim. But he came down to meet me at the Jordan, and I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man and know what you ought to do to him, but bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. So it's one of the last things he tells him. Then verse, verse 10, so David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. That's the city of David that's in Jerusalem. I think there's a couple other places that we've read recently that it refers to Bethlehem being the city of David. They're both David cities. One is his birthplace and the other would be his, the city that he founded, so to speak. So anyway, instructions. These are the ends of instructions from David. Take judgment on Shimei, on Joab, uh, on Abiathar. Um, who else? Show kindness to, to Barzillai. And a lot of stuff to remember. But Solomon has no problem remembering these things. Any thoughts on 
what we've talked about so far. And that brings to a close of really just one of the, the greatest king that Israel had outside of Jesus, obviously, would be, be David. Not from the grandeur of Solomon's kingdom, nothing like that, but just a one where that you have a king on the throne that really cares about the Lord and his ways. And it's it's really a testimony to God that the way that the scriptures handle his reign. He is, you would expect, if, if it was just people writing the text, you wouldn't have near as much negative about David, the greatest king of Israel, as we have. But the Bible just tells us exactly what happened during his reign. All right, so no questions or points. Moving on. We're going to be in verse 13. Verse 13 through 25. Now, this is the, the thing that kind of gets the ball rolling to deal with all these people, right? Uh, verse 13, Now Adonijah the son of Haggith came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So she said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. Now we'll say we don't know how much time's passed. We know that, that he went and grabbed the horns of the altar and uh, Solomon kind of forgave him but said, you know, he better watch his step, basically. And so we don't know how much time has elapsed. I don't take it that it's very long, the, uh, very much time that's went by before he comes back and asks this question of uh, Bathsheba. Verse 14, moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, say it. Then he said, you know that the kingdom was mine and all Israel had set their expectations on me that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's for it was from the Lord. Now he's he's saying he's 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 really sore about this, isn't he? You know it was all mine. Everybody wanted me to be the king. That's 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 a pretty bold statement to say to the current king's mother. But then he did end it saying, but it was from the Lord. So can't be too mad at him for saying that. Uh, verse 16. Now I ask one petition of you. Do not deny me. And she said to him, Say it. Then he said, please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag the Shunammite as a wife. See, I told you she would come back into the picture. This is one that uh, he had known. So he asked for the hand of Abishag the Shunammite in marriage. She'd already married David, David's dad, so I'm not real clear on the, the law. I know you can get kind of in the weeds on what the, the, the Leveret law was um, as, as to whether this was a legal request even from him but we know that it was a bold request what is he actually trying to to angle for here he's angling for the kingdom this he's already said everybody wanted me when i was anointed king but it was from the lord now i want the former king's wife the one that he never knew so he's making this statement I'm the rightful king, and here's more proof that I'm the rightful king. It kind of hints back at what, what Absalom did when he was coming into Jerusalem, when David was fleeing, and David had left the concubines in the house. And now I'm having trouble recalling these names. Ahithophel tells him, you go and lay with those concubines in the sight of everybody. And that's going to be you, you taking on the power of David's throne as, as your own. Adonijah knew very well what he was doing, what this was going to be saying, sort of behind the scenes. And that's exactly 
the way Solomon took it. I don't know how much Bathsheba kind of understood that here, um, or if she was just kind of playing along and let, letting Adonijah and Solomon play things out between them. Now let's look at verse um, 18. Bathsheba said, very well. I don't know if that's this. Sorry. Um, very well, I will speak for you to the king. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and said, uh, had a throne set for the king's mother, so she sat at his right hand. Then he said, I desire, she said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So she said, let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah, your brother, as a wife. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, now why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother. For him and for Abiathar the priest and for Joab the son of Zeruah. So he, he knows what's going on here. Ask her for him, ask her for Abiathar, ask, ask for her for Joab. It's just going to be another piece in the puzzle to bring Adonijah back to the throne and at least make him think he has this legal right. So then the king swore to the Lord, saying, May God do so, uh, to, do so to me and more also. If Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life, now, therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David, my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and struck him down, and he died. You get the idea, he struck him down in his house. It was kind of a surprise to Adonijah. Maybe he's expecting to get this thing fulfilled, pull one over on Solomon. Solomon's too wise for that. And so he's incensed. And he sends Benaiah to kill him there in his house. Any questions, points that you want to bring out on this? Yes, sir. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Good, very good point that... You know, he, he talks here in, in these verses about uh, it, was, it was from the Lord, but sometimes, and we can learn a lot from this, sometimes there's what the Lord wants and we want things in, in our own way. Our, our world is riddled with it today. You know, a lot of times someone will get upset over what this biblical teaching is about any number of topics, and then since they want it their own way, they'll either leave the leave the Lord altogether or seek out a group that claims to be of the Lord that, that just takes on whatever it is that they want. And we've, we've all probably seen that dozens and dozens of times. So we can learn something from that as, as well. But certainly I appreciate you bringing that up with, a, with respect to some things from the New Testament. There's all these echoes in the, in the New Testament or shadows that we can see that we're not really aware. I don't think necessarily they were aware, but you can look back and see, well, this is, this is um, God pointing out some things in the Old Testament or putting them there so that we can learn, learn some things from them uh, in, the, in the New Testament. So good, good point. Let's, uh, let's move, move on. Now he's going to dismiss... Abiathar, this is the one, one of them he, he doesn't dismiss in, 
in bloodshed. It doesn't bring his life to an end. Um, but Abiathar was guilty. He had, he had done good to David all his life. He had, he had carried around the, the Ark of the Covenant and, and things like that. But when Adonijah decided he's going to take the kingdom for himself, it was not uncommon knowledge, apparently, that Solomon was supposed to be the next king. And you would think the high priest, one of the two high priests, would understand this, that God wants Solomon to be the next king. And here you are, towards the end of your life apparently, aiding and abetting a usurper. Not a good, not a good way to, to be, right? Verse 26, right after Joab is killed, And to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth to your own fields where you are deserving of death. But I will not put you to death at this time because you carried the ark of the Lord of God, ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord that he might fulfill the word of the Lord which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. So apparently this was a, a fulfillment of what was said back, way back in 1 Samuel. We can turn there and read that, 1 Samuel chapter 2. And I'll, I'll admit, I didn't take the time to go back and research Abiathar's family tree to get all the way back to, uh, to, to uh, Eli and all of that. Um, I'm sure that's online somewhere, and somebody else has done the heavy lifting and it just, with the week I've had, it kind of blew my mind to even start thinking about that. So we can, we can read it. This is where the, this pronouncement is given, starting in verse 27. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when you were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I have commanded in my dwelling place? And honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me for for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart and all the descendants of, the, of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, please put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread. So I think that's what this is referring back to here in 
1 Kings chapter 2. You might have a different understanding of that. All right. So Abiathar, he's, he's not overlooked. He's dealt with, he's removed from his position, but he's not put to death, which is because of the things he had done. This is his first uh, affront of, of David joining with Adonijah. So he was supposed to be dealt with. Joab, come to him. David's already told him, deal with Joab. Don't let his gray hair go down the grave in, in peace. Well, he's not going to do that. This kind of gets the, one of those things that, uh, what, got, what got all this started? We've seen Abiathar dealt with. What was the first thing that was dealt with? Adonijah. Joab hears about all of it. And uh-oh, <laughs> this, is, this is not good. This is really not good. So verse 28. Then news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. And King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, go strike him down. Now I take it from the text, you're not supposed to really kill anybody. He's holding on to the horns of the altar. But uh, he's not going to let go. Benaiah goes back and tells Solomon he's there at the altar. He refuses to leave. Well, what does is, what is Solomon tell Benaiah to do? Go kill him right there. You take him and bury him. We're going to be rid of him. Kind of let you know, the. we already talked about the mighty man. Remember Joab wasn't mentioned. And it may be because of his deeds. But he doesn't even appear to put up a fight to Benaiah. Benaiah was one of the one of the chiefest of the mighty men, so kind of tells you something about him. He's he's he must be pretty slick with a with a sword, so to speak. So he seeks his asylum there at the altar. Benaiah sent Joab is killed at the altar, and it tells us exactly why he is to be dealt with this way. Verse thirty. So Benaiah went to the tabernacle of the Lord, said to him, "Thus says the king, Come out." And he said, "No, but I will die here." And Benaiah brought back the word of the king, saying, Thus says Joab, and thus he answered me. Then the king said to him, Do as he said, and strike him down and bury him, that you may take away from me and from my father's house the innocent blood which Joab shed. So the Lord will return his blood on his head, because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he. And he killed them with the sword, Abner the son of Ner, the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah, though my father David did not know it. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his descendants forever, but upon David and his descendants, upon the house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So Benaiah the son of Jehoiada went up and struck and killed him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. So the end has come for Joab, him, and tells us that Benaiah is actually placed as the commander of all the army. Who was Benaiah over before? Anybody recall? Yeah, I think it's the Carathites and the Pelathites. We don't like. I think Brent was saying this last Wednesday. We're not totally certain about who they are. From what I stated about, it, there's some there's some connection to them being Philistines, which would which would kind of be a, a shout out to the future how that God's going to have 
Israel and non-Israelites in his house. And so we got, got a little glimpse of that in the Old Testament. We had a glimpse of that, remember, when, when he's putting forth things to, uh, for Solomon to build the tabernacle. One of the first things it tells us that he got foreigners to do the work there, or some of the work there. And so you have Israelites and non-Israelites doing that. Um, just, just one of those, those echoes from the Old Testament to the, to the New Testament. All right, so now we skip forward and we get to Shimei. We've talked about Shimei before, as I said. In verse 36, the king sent and called for Shimei. He's handling everything all kind of rapid fire. And he said to him, build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there. Do not go out from, do not go out from there anywhere. For it shall be on the day that you go out and cross the brook Kidron. Know for certain you shall surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. So he's kind of telling him, you're going to build a house here and you're going to stay in the house. But not necessarily just in the house. I mean, it's, it appears he can, he can have rain around Jerusalem. He can walk around, obviously, and, and buy things and talk to people and stuff like that. But you can't cross over the brook Kidron. There's a, there's a certain distance outside of Jerusalem that you're not supposed to go. And it appears that, that Shimei understands, well, this is because what, what I did to David Things are coming back. David's gone. Solomon remembers. Um, we know that David told him, don't, don't forget about what he did. I, I promised him he wouldn't die by my hand, but I didn't promise him anything else. Is kind of what we're looking at there. Verse 37, uh, verse 38 rather. And Shimei said to the king, the saying is good, as my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. So Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. So why do you think Shimei wouldn't, Give any pushback at all? I mean, would you? I mean, he'd been living for a little while. David forgave him, said, You're not going to die. Well, what have we just been reading about? You got Abiathar removed from office. You got Joab's dead. Adonijah's dead. Um, all these different people are paying for things that they had done against David. Now, he's, is, is he guilty of doing something against David? Yeah, you had Abishai, remember, saying, why are you putting up with this? Let me go over there and cut his head off. I'll only have to swing the sword one time, and it'll be over. And Shimei realizes, I really probably should be dead right now. So, and with all these people, heads are rolling, right? I'm going to, to submit to whatever he says just to save my life. So he agrees to it, but he does get lazy with it. He, he does leave the house and leaves the area. So... Reading on, um, verse 39, Solomon's put this, you know, I said boxes him in, say in your house. So he fails to keep the terms, verse 39, it happened, how long does it take? Three years, he gets last, three years, wow, that's a long time. Um, it says that two slaves of Shimei ran away to Achish, the son of Maacah, king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shimei rose and saddled his donkey and went to Achish of Gath and to seek his slaves. And Shimei went and brought his slaves from Gath. And Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come back. And the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you, saying, no, for certain, that on the way you go out and travel anywhere, you shall surely die? And you said to me, the word I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I gave you, 
The king said, moreover, to Shimei, you know, as your heart acknowledges all the wickedness that you did to my father David, therefore the Lord will return your wickedness on your own head. King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck him down, and he died. Thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. So three years... And you get the idea that Solomon has instructed somebody to be the spy. As soon as he breaks this oath, we're going to be done with him. I've given him some terms that that he can can avoid this if he really is careful. But um, he doesn't. And like I said, three years, that's that's a long time. Um, But where where does he go? All the way to Philistia. It's It's not a short trip some 30 miles maybe, something like that, 25 or 30 miles, and he goes and to retrieve some slaves that, he's, uh, that has ran away and brings them back. And whoever is spying on him, let Solomon know. He's, he's broken what you said. And who's the one that goes and is charged with going and ending his life? Benaiah. It's the same one that's killed, killed the rest of these people. Um, Benaiah is a... Cold, a cold dude, you might say, but he's he's interested. He appears to be interested in the things of, of God. Certainly interested in serving the King that is on the throne. Does anybody have any questions or any points you'd like to make in what we studied today, First Kings, chapter two? All right. Well, next uh, Wednesday we're having our singing. So next Sunday, in preparation for that, read First Kings chapter three and chapter four. And uh, and also, you guys let me know if, if I use a PowerPoint and you think uh, the type is just too small. I try to make it big enough for you to read, and I also try to make it contrast enough where you can see it. And if a color scheme doesn't work out for you, let me know, because I like to mark those things down where I don't use them all the time. And uh, don't use that one again, certainly, if it's, if it's difficult to see. So thank you for your attention and your participation.